Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This is the Improv Chronicle podcast. I'm Lloydie. What I think is important is uh, consistency and agreeing to the existence of an idea. And object work is fantastic for that. It's Tuesday, 1st of December, 2020. Object work, is it just a necessary evil? Or is the creation and continuity of imaginary objects in a scene vital? When I announced that object work was the next topic we were covering on the Improv Chronicle, I had an email within a day from someone who's been on the podcast before and who's incredibly passionate about object and environment work. I had a sense he might message me. So we arranged a chat ASAP. Hi, I'm David Rate. I am uh, an improviser and an instructor in Oakville, Ontario, Canada, home to the Oakville Improv Theatre Company. And uh, I specialize in object work and environment uh, exercises through my website, theimprovillusionist.com. When we're taught improv, we are taught yes and, we're told accept and build, we're told create great characters. It strikes me that object work isn't normally something that is seen as the foundation of improv. So where do you think it belongs? Well, there's no doubt that uh, on a strict hierarchy, I would say that object work is not a priority. But if you think about how uh, much improv you see where you have two talking heads uh, standing apart from each other, just chatting away, uh, how much more difficult that is for not only the audience to remain interested visually in what's going on, but also for the improvisers themselves. Uh, It's certainly very easy to have a conversation, but I find that once you start adding physicality and uh, moving around, um, you're definitely going to have a lot more, um, not only visual interest for the audience, but you're also going to be able to find more things and more ideas from your environment to incorporate into a scene. So um, I would say that object work is really essential. Um, I think another thing that I might say too is that Um, 
object work is what's really important about it is you need to be able to do it really well for it to come off uh, uh, for not only the audience to be able to understand what you're doing, but also for your partner to be able to do it. So um, if, we, if we're not doing it with a level of precision and detail that makes it very easy for people to understand, um, then that kind of defeats a lot of the purpose uh, of doing object work in the first place. So if I have understood you correctly, some of what you're saying would suggest that actually one of the fundamentals of improv that we're taught, the who, what, where, that there is way there are ways of finding that through object work. Oh, absolutely. Um, there, when we talk about the who, what, where, the where is one big third of that, right? So um, you need to be able to have uh, great skills to be able to communicate that to an audience. Um, I think there are other benefits there as well. Uh, if you can establish a, a strong setting for uh, your scene, it, you can't help but draw the audience into what's happening even more. Um, so many of our scenes, or so much of our improv takes place on a blank stage, right? There's like a, a brick wall or a black curtain behind you and a couple of chairs on the stage. Uh, the improvisers are usually not wearing costumes. So there's nothing visually to give the audience a sense of where anything is happening. When you have uh, good object work skills, you're able to create things for the audience to see. And it just makes them more a part of the world that you're creating in your improv. One of my favorite groups in the East Midlands here in the UK uses objects to transition between scenes. And needless to say, when I arranged to speak to Carly, who's one eighth of Tiny Stories from Leicester, I knew she'd rate object work as a high priority. Personally, I think it's super important. So I definitely put it in like the top three of improv things and needs. Um, I think because, I mean, as an audience member, I love watching um, like whole scenery come to life. Um, and that can be done just by like someone doing some really good object work on stage. Um, I know that I've I've seen scenes where um so for example um I was in a workshop once where I think um two people were talking about something really boring like maths sorry mathematicians um and they were quite clearly uh pushing their child on a swing um and this whole playground scene just came to life around them purely because of how they were interacting with their imaginary child on the swing and how they'd got their hands uh you know to, to give the item like depth and weight um and even though it was about maths which I'm not remotely interested in sorry maths um it was really exciting because I was like oh is the child gonna fall off the swing or like what's gonna happen next um so I it's definitely top three definitely top three it's interesting though because I think any regular non-improv audience member leaving a show that they really loved. I mean, how many times have they really said, oh gosh, wasn't that object work good? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Um, I suppose as improvisers, we'd come off stage and be like, oh my gosh, that was amazing object work. Well done. Um, but I think an audience member would just be like, 
I was totally transported to this spaceship or this garden centre. Um, and maybe they couldn't tell you why, but, um, you know, maybe they'd just pick up on something they'd seen because an improviser did a really good job at, at sustaining the mime and the whoever they were playing with, like, you know, sort of did the same thing as well. Um, yeah. You've convinced me it definitely has an impact on, on audiences. Um, <laughs> not that I really needed convincing, <laughs> but, but, you know, you make a compelling case. Um, however, I'm interested in what you think it does for performers. Okay. Um, so, I, well, personally speaking, I, I love uh, really good object work because it, it gives me more to kind of play with. Um, I, I am the person stood on the sidelines going, ah, a lot of the time because I don't always know what to do. Um, so if, if, if somebody's sort of established an object or established um, like um, scenery, shall we say, it, it makes me feel more confident, actually. Um, I remember being in a workshop where someone described one of those really tall house plants um, and straight away I was like, oh, we're going to play hide and seek, obviously. Um, and then also I think it, like, I was just, I was doing a little bit of preparation uh, for this interview. I was reading Katie Shute's book, book about object work and she was saying about how... Um, how how great it can be when two performers really work together to sustain that object. So if one person puts down a, a cup or, or a glass, say, you know, it can it's really nice when your fellow improviser then picks up that cup as well because they've they've really responded to an offer. And this week, so many improvisers responded to say how much they value object work, considering how few courses really there are where we just specifically focus on object work. There are a lot of people advocating for its part in the improv toolkit. Adam Unwin got in touch saying, so important, audiences want to believe what you're doing and want to understand what you're doing. Ben Stevens said, it's incredibly important. It makes the scene real for the performers and the audience alike. I've done scenes where my character might be, say, holding a glass of wine. And when the scene ended, I found myself setting the imaginary glass of wine down on an imaginary table before leaving the stage because it had become so real to me. Monica Ozdatska says... Very important for actors and the audience. Good object work is mesmerising. It makes us and them see the world and it gives a focus and intentions to behaviour, not only the words. Jay Suko got in touch saying, we don't need props because we have unlimited objects. I love that phrase. Objects are other characters in the scene and we can use them to show our emotional states as well. Sean Lothian said, Object Work's position in the hierarchy of improv skills is right up there. He says it's massively underrated in the UK, especially with our love of trading witty jokes at each other while stood a respectful distance apart. And Justin Brett agrees with Sean, saying it shouldn't even be a topic for discussion. It's never done enough and the rewards are amazing. You can say a dozen things with one simple action. One other response I had caught my eye and, and got me into a bit of a discussion. So... I call that person up to go deeper. Hi, uh, my name's Ari Witula, and I am an Indonesian improviser based in Norway. 
I'm now doing improv basically everywhere around the world. I do a 10-minute series with a lot of people. But before uh, all this happens, I was uh, uh, artistic director of Internet International in Norway. As somebody who is a performer and an artistic director, where would you, in the kind of hierarchy of improv skills, rate object work? Where would you place it? I I think it depends on different people. Yeah. So uh, for me, it ranks very high. I think what you need to do is always put yourself in the space of uh, where you are in the scene. And so for some people, it might be other senses like smell or, or just thinking. But for me, it's about physically being present. If I feel I'm physically being present in this makeup scene, then it seems becomes easy for me. And what is it about the objects that we use in that scene particularly that is so important? It's, uh, it's funny because a, a lot of people think uh, object is for show, for the audience. But for me, it is, it is about um, about actually manipulating objects allows me to explore emotions that I feel in the scene. So if I'm holding a cup of coffee, I might hold it a little bit tighter if I'm if I'm angry in the scene, uh, I can express different kind of emotions by how I manipulate uh, objects, how I throw things, how I hold it carefully, gently, or or tightly. So it's not so much uh, the objects themselves that are important, but our interactions and reactions to them. Definitely interactions, and um, I use them to anchor my character. So, for instance, if uh, a classical character would be an old person with a cane, then I would actually feel this cane in my hand and I would stiffen my arm to really feel that cane. And then if I use my physicality to hold and anchor this position, then I don't need my brain to anchor my character. I can just use the physicality for that. Ari, how... um... How real do these objects get for you in a scene? Uh, it it gets quite real. So it, it, if I'm in a zone, it gets very real. So I remember I was doing a scene and we were just chatting in a confessional booth and I was throwing a tissue paper into a, a, a bin. And then I, and then, and that's, at that scene, I felt that I didn't throw it properly that the tissue paper sort of linger at the rim of the of the bin you know that kind of thing and then i have to go again and take it and actually put it in the bin <laughs> so it 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 actually brought feelings that of like frustration out of it so it, it is quite real and the objects we make real have a real impact on the characters we create as david explains if you look around at any room that you're in um, we tend to think of rooms as being empty or there's not a lot in here, but there are so many little objects, things that we notice. Even in a in a so-called empty room, you might still see signs on the walls or uh, electrical lightwoods or a clock or a fire extinguisher, right? There are these objects around us all the time. And if you think about how uh, much goes into uh, collecting objects, Right, the particular objects that have that you have access to in your personal space, whether that's your office desk or your bedroom, um, those things have they express something about you. Right, even the the choice of the type of object. Right, so 
Um, for example, if you have a, a digital alarm clock versus one of those analog, you know, those old analog ones with the little uh, bells on the top, right? That says something about you. It maybe says something about your choice to be more technological or um, uh, maybe you're a bit of a Luddite and you don't like the, um, the digital stuff. So you've gone back to this really classic alarm clock. So how do we communicate that I've got uh, an object of that type so that the audience can see it well enough to understand how that really applies back to who I am? That's, that's so interesting. And the thought I'm having now is that essentially humans mark their territory with objects, don't they? So the kind of environment you're in and the kind of objects that might be around you and how you interact with those objects as a character is going to make a, a huge difference to how you behave in that scene. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The, um, the choice of the object is uh, so personal to people. Uh, but even the way that we use objects is, is like that. Um, one of the things that you can do um, with object work is discover patterns, right? For a UCB style uh, game of the scene type um, uh, ob- uh, scene work, you can um, discover uh, things in the way that characters use objects, either consistently or inconsistently, right? Um, one of my favorite, uh, improv instructors, Bruce Hunter wrote an uh, essay in the, uh, second city almanac of improvisation about, uh, environment and object work. And in that article, he talks about a can opener. And, um, so you could have a scene where there's a can opener, people are using it and, um, no one in the scene knows how to use it properly. And that can say so much about this group of people. Are they people who just don't know how to use a can opener? Are they simple-minded in that way? Um, Is there a problem with the can opener that they refuse to fix? Because for whatever reason, are they uh, unable to pay for a new one or they're just lazy? Um, And then what happens if someone else comes into the scene and is able to use the can opener uh, successfully uh, after all the others didn't? What's different about that character and how does that create a conflict or a relationship change between that actor and the other people in the scene? Carly also thinks objects help us create characters. I think they can be really useful when, um, like, you know, as improvisers, we often come on with with no ideas at all and we just respond to um, um, what's on stage. Um, and it can be quite interesting when somebody hands you an object um and and depending on the depth or the weight or the size of the object that can you know sort of give you a lot of clues as to um who your your character is going to be um i'm just trying to think of of an example of of maybe some when someone's handed me an object um i think someone once handed me an apron on stage once um and just because of the way they sort of like got their 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 fingers and their thumbs um holding this apron and, and kind of they they sort of had floppy wrists and so they flapped it at me um <laughs> and I just straight away I thought that's an apron um and and I think I became like a shop worker or, or something like that you know like in a, a grocery shop or what have you um so I, I think that can certainly be really helpful and and actually that makes me think of like when we when we do really basic uh games like when we first doing improv and and one of the things uh for example maybe is is the 
you know the game where you you take an object out of a bag and you give it to somebody else and they say oh thanks I always really wanted a whatever mm-hmm. um and it's just it's it's so important I think when you're doing object work to make sure that you've got the the precision of the depth and the weight and the size and what have you um because it can really help to to stimulate a scene or to stimulate a character but in the end this technique we call object work isn't something the audience comes to see at least they don't think they're coming to see it most of the time but its impact on audiences well that's a different matter back to Ari. i think it gives a strong visual uh and but more than that it it makes things more real yeah so we are we are doing things we are making things up and if if you don't obey the laws of gravity if you don't obey things then anyone can basically do thing and say like oh there's this thing and that there's that thing this is light this is heavy you can say it but if you actually do it then it it becomes a performative thing for uh for the audience that they see like this this person is actually doing this is this is person is taking care of it this must mean something and we never really get from ordinary audience members rather than improv audience members we never really get the full credit for our uh, object work do we because i don't think anyone ever leaves a show saying wasn't the object work great but it's it's kind of one of those underlying things that I suppose audiences don't realise are important, but that if we do it right, can really transform performance. It's it's one of the things that is taken for granted if done really well. Uh, but if it's done poorly, then you see that that they are just making things up. But when you the the pinnacle of object work is is that it feels natural is that it becomes seamless a true object work takes much slower than an improv of improv object work but mm-hmm. we had this exercise where uh we had two people uh putting on one person putting on an improv shoe and the next person next to him putting on a real shoe and then you notice that how often we rush our object work in improv because the 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 other shoe is not even halfway done and we're already we want to run with the scene with the with the half half worn shoe next time on the improv chronicle podcast one calendar year comes to the end and we reflect on a year no one exactly bargained for, what are improvisers around the world hoping will happen to improv in 2021? Wherever you are in the world, if you have an improv-related wish for 2021, I'd love for you to share it. Record a voice message about it in your phone, send it to newsdesk at improvchronicle.com and I'll feature as many as I'm able to in the next episode. The Improv Chronicle podcast is produced and hosted by me, Lloydie James Lloyd. Check out the show notes for this episode to find out more about today's contributors. And if you have an idea for a possible episode, go to improvchronicle.com.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.